We just sang that we're desperate for your touch. If there was ever a man who was desperate for the touch of Jesus, it's the man we look at this morning in Mark chapter 8. To turn there, Mark chapter 8, we read just verses 22 through 26. And the title of our message today is Touched by the Master. Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today and for the truth of your word. Thank you that Jesus is the one who touches us, the one who saves us, restores us, the one who gives us sight, spiritual sight. Lord, would you do your work this morning? Uh, We pray that our desire would be that we would be desperate for your touch, that you would do a work in us and through us. For the glory and the praise of your name, in Jesus' name we ask, amen. When you examine how Jesus came in contact with those in need, you learn something that is really quite quite interesting. In the vast majority of cases, there were people who had a part in connecting others with Jesus. Either they brought Jesus to the one in need, or they brought the one in need to Jesus. Very seldom do you see a person meeting Jesus in the Gospels without someone being involved in that process. To me, that's fascinating. And to me, that tells us something, doesn't it? (laughs) That we have the opportunity, we have the privilege, we have the mission of connecting people with Jesus. The text that we just read is a great example of that. Notice how it begins, verse 22, and they came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to Jesus. Now Mark doesn't tell us who the they were. They brought a blind man to Jesus, but whoever they were, it's obvious that they had concern for this man who who couldn't see. And if you are a believer today, you could probably think of people that God used in your life to connect you with Jesus, right? Many of us would say our parents, who taught us from the time that we were little, reading those Bible stories and and pointing us to Jesus. Some of us might say it was my pastor. Some might say it was my youth worker. Some might say it was my neighbor, a friend, a co-worker. But I think for a lot of us, we would say there was someone that God used in our lives to connect us with Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that someone? Aren't you glad that God brought someone into your life 
that cared enough about you to do something about it. They cared enough to bring you to Jesus. And when they brought you to Jesus, Jesus did something wonderful in your life. He changed you in a wonderful way. If you don't know Jesus, you have an opportunity today. As we gather to hear His Word, Jesus is present here. He wants to connect with you. He wants to touch you and change you in a way that will change your life forever. So how does Jesus do that? Notice first of all that Jesus touches us personally. When the friends of the blind man brought him to Jesus, notice what Jesus did. Verse 23 says, Taking the blind man by the hand, that looks personal, doesn't it? He brought him out of the village. Now, Jesus could have told anybody to say, grab him by the hand, bring him along, take him outside the village. But Jesus did that himself. Once this man was brought to Jesus, Jesus personally took an interest in that man, grabbed him by the hand, and then he led him outside of the village. Now, that seems kind of interesting, doesn't it? Why would Jesus lead this man outside of the village? Some suggest that Jesus did this, and I had never seen this before, but it's something to consider, that Jesus did this as a form of judgment upon the people of Bethsaida the village or the town of Bethsaida. And the reason why they suggest that is what we find in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. So Bethsaida was a town that had seen many miracles of Jesus. And you wonder if in this case, Jesus took this man out of the city and performed that miracle not in their midst, but away from the village. Having rejected him, having despised him, it's like Jesus said, you know what? You've seen enough. I'm going to take this man outside of the village and heal him. Perhaps a more likely reason that Jesus took this man out of the village was for the sake of the blind man. Jesus wanted to remove him from any distractions, He wanted this man to be able to focus completely on him, unhindered by those around him. This was a personal encounter, wasn't it? A personal encounter with Jesus, which is exactly what that man needed. So Jesus takes him outside the city and notice what he did. It says, after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? Just as he had done with the deaf man in the previous chapter of Mark, Jesus used, could we say, sign language? Led him by the hand as if to say, I am going to take you out of your hopeless situation. 
He touched the man's eyes as if to say, I know you can't see, but I am going to restore your sight. Jesus knew the blind man's need and he dealt with him in a way that he could understand. It was a very personal touch. Did you know that Jesus knows your need today? Jesus knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly where you struggle. He knows exactly where you need to be touched by Him today. And He wants to change you like He changed the blind man. And He is able. (laughs) He is able. He is still changing lives today. All across this world, Jesus Christ is changing lives today. And maybe your life will be changed today. As well. So Jesus touches us personally. And that's why we speak of having a personal relationship with Jesus, a personal encounter with Jesus. So Jesus touches us personally. The second thing we notice here, and I struggled to, for what word to use, but I'm going to use this word Jesus touches us progressively. Progressively. If you examine how Jesus healed blind men in Scripture, you will notice that He healed them in different ways. There is, I think, about seven recorded instances of where Jesus healed blind men. Sometimes He touched their eyes. Sometimes He healed them by just speaking the Word. On one occasion, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva put it on the blind man's eyes, and then told him to go and wash in the pool. Now, if you were that kind of blind man, you'd think, whoa, this is a little bit different, huh? (laughs) And look what he did here. He did something quite different as well. So, there wasn't just one way that Jesus healed those who were blind. And I believe that this illustrates that you cannot put Jesus in a box. You can't predetermine how He is going to work in a person's life. He changes people in accordance with His plan and purpose, and we should not assume that God is going to work exactly the same in the life of someone else as He did in our life. I think that's important to understand. Because some people have in their mind this certain way, the only way that Jesus will work in someone's life. And if He doesn't work in someone's life in that way, well, is it really God that's working in their life? Let me give you an example. My grandfather was a man who was under deep conviction of his sin. And he just didn't seem to be able to find peace with God. Part of it was he went to a church that wasn't really preaching the Word. And he would pace back and forth in his bedroom. He couldn't sleep at night. The burden of sin was so great upon him. And my grandma said, Isaac, take an aspirin. You wonder what that is? That's an aspirin. Take an aspirin tablet and go back to bed. And he said, Ma, (laughs) he called her Ma, he said, Ma, an aspirin will not heal what I have. He said, I have soul sickness. He was under such a burden of sin. Well, thankfully, there were some Swedish lay preachers that came 
and preached the gospel at that congregation where my grandpa and grandma went. And he invited them over to the house. And he said, is there any hope for me? And they shared the good news with him. And and the burden of sin was taken away. And in my grandpa's experience, he said it was just like the chains fell. Almost like he could hear the chains fell. The burden of sin was so great. And when the chains fell, it's just like, oh, the freedom he experienced. Well, my dad had heard that testimony. And when my dad came to know the Lord, the the pastor shared the promises of God with him. And and they prayed. And and then he asked my dad, now now Herb, he said, do you have the assurance of of your salvation? He said, I I don't know. I don't know. And he... (laughs) Shared the word again and, 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 and so forth. And then finally, he, he asked my dad, he said, Herb, what are you waiting for? He said, I'm waiting for the chains to fall. And the pastor looked at him and said, the chains to fall? Where in God's word does it say that if you put your trust in Jesus and repent of your sins and the chains fall, you have eternal life? What was happening in my dad's life? He figured that the way that his dad came to the Lord was the way that he would come to the Lord. And God doesn't work that way. You don't put him in a box, right? Your experience might be way different than mine or someone else's. And that's what we see with Jesus when he healed these various people. Wasn't always the same way. It was his touch and his work, but it wasn't always the same way. Now, the healing of this man is probably maybe the most unusual um, example of a blind man being healed. Uh, he did it touching him twice. <laughs> he took him out of the village after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him. He said, do you see anything? He said, I see men for I see them like trees walking around. I've often wondered what that must have looked like. Was it a, you know, a tree like that or a pine tree or something? And he said, yeah, I can see men, they're walking around, but they look like trees. Maybe some of you with your glasses off, that's what people might look like. Huh? Maybe trees or stop signs or light poles or something, I don't know. Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes and he looked intently and was restored. And he began to see everything clearly. Now, I wish Mark told us why Jesus did it this way. Sometimes the gospel writers will give a little explanation of what happened just so we can understand. Well, Mark doesn't do that, so we can't be completely sure. But I'd suggest a a couple of possibilities, and and maybe both of them might be correct. When you look at how Jesus personally dealt with him, It must have been at least for the blind man's sake. Jesus may have wanted to develop his faith by performing the healing in two stages. As the blind man saw what Jesus did with the first touch, he was encouraged to trust Jesus for more. Maybe we could say the first touch was like the first fruits and there was more to come. huh? Now, the text doesn't say that, so I wouldn't press the point, so don't call me a, a heretic. But could it be that that's what it what it was? 
I would also suggest that Jesus healed the blind man in this way for the sake of the disciples. He gave them a picture of what needed to happen in their lives spiritually. To me, this makes sense because Jesus had just rebuked his disciples for being blind to spiritual things. Go back to verse 14 of this chapter. It says, And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving order to them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, (laughs) having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, twelve. When I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said, seven. And he was saying to them, and I could just picture the tone of you, don't you yet understand? Don't you get it? Don't you see? You have eyes, but you don't see. So when Jesus healed this blind man right after this, it's almost as if he's saying to his disciples, you are just like this blind man was after I touched him the first time. You don't see things clearly. I must continue to open your eyes that you'll see more clearly because you just don't get it clearly yet. Now, notice how this need is illustrated in the verses that follow our text. Verse 27, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he continued questioning them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. So Peter's eyes were open to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. This he could see. But if you read on, you'll notice he needed some further insight. He needed Jesus to touch him again, because look at verse 31. And he began to teach them, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. What was Peter's response? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests but man's. So what Jesus did with the blind man is seen in the life of his disciples. They needed their eyes to be opened and opened and opened more again because their spiritual vision was like men walking like trees. It wasn't really clear. But the more that Jesus opened their eyes, the more they understood 
the more they understood who he really is. Aren't you glad we're not like the disciples? Right? We see things clearly right from the start, right? Everything is just perfectly clear. You know I'm speaking sarcastically, right? I'll tell you what, we need to have our eyes, our spiritual eyes, continually opened. When we are first saved, our spiritual eyes are open. We begin to see things that we've never seen before. Understand things we've never understood before. But our spiritual sight isn't perfect. We need Jesus to touch us again and again. And when we walk with Jesus and spend time in His Word, that's exactly what He does. You slept, I hope, well last night. Do any of you wake up like about 3 or 4 o'clock? Then you kind of toss and turn and roll for a while? Okay. So if you wake up, say, 3 or 4 in the morning, there's not a lot of light, right? But as you get closer and closer to sunrise, and then the sun comes up and shines in, you're able to see much much more, right? Jesus is the light. And as His light comes in, we, we see things more clearly. As He touches us, as His Word uh, guides us, we, we need that kind of a, of a touch. And so that might be why uh, Jesus healed this man progressively just to say to His men, you're like Him. You need to be touched over and over. Thirdly, notice that Jesus touches us purposefully. After Jesus healed the blind man, he told him what he wanted him to do. And maybe it seems a little bit peculiar, but verse 26, it says, And he sent him to his home, saying, Don't even enter the village. Okay, just go right home. Do not pass go. Do not collect. Just go, go home. So Jesus had an important reason for sending this man home. You know what it was? I think it was the blind man had a family. Uh, he had, he had uh, people that needed to know what Jesus had done for him. They needed to see the change that Jesus can bring because they needed Jesus too. So think of it. Someone had brought the blind man to Jesus now, he was bringing Jesus to the blind, right? Someone brought this blind man to Jesus. Jesus gave him sight. And now this man was going to those who were spiritually blind, needed to have their eyes open. You go home. You go home. I think of the, the uh, man that was demon-possessed in Mark chapter 5. Remember him? He cut himself with stones and they tried to bind him and he'd break all of the cords. And, and when Jesus changed him, uh, he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to go with him. Mark 5.18 says, As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him. But Jesus said, Go home to your people. And report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. And verse 20 of Mark 5 says, And He went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis, that's a ten-city area, what great things Jesus had done for Him. 
What's the lesson we learn here? The lesson we learn here with both of these examples, where does evangelism begin? Where does witnessing begin? Is God going to call you to the ends of the earth first? Where does God want you to begin? Ah, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. What did he tell these people? Go home. Go home. Those webs of relationships that you already have. Those people in your life that you already know. Those ones you already love that need Jesus. Go home. Reach those that don't know Him. There was a young woman who was very excited about her salvation and she... She wanted to share the gospel with others, so she asked her pastor where she might go to be most effective witnessing. He said, come back tomorrow, and I'll have an answer for you. So she came back the next day, and when she returned to his office, he handed her a slip of paper folded, and he said, I'm suggesting someone who needs you right now more than anyone else in the world. And she was wondering, what would that be? So when she left his office, she opened up that piece of paper and guess what it said? Your father. Your father. Sometimes we think, you know, well, if I was just out, you know, missionary somewhere, wherever, you know, what a great witness I would be. Where does it start? It starts at home. Who is the one in your life that needs Jesus now more than more than ever? Let them hear what Jesus has done for you. Share your testimony. Tell them how Jesus has changed you. God can use you to connect someone else with Jesus. And He can touch them in such a way that they will never be the same. That's what happened here. These friends brought this blind man to Jesus. Jesus changed him. He went home. And I'd like to know someday in glory, what happened? Were there people that came to Jesus through this blind man that was healed? Will we find some in glory that would raise their hand and say, Yep, it was me. God used that blind man whose life was transformed to change me. Touched by the Master, Jesus is able to heal, to restore, to transform He can transform you and I. And when we've been transformed, we need to connect others with the great transformer, Jesus himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful picture of of evangelism, of of a man whose life was changed. And God, you use those men that brought him to Jesus. And we believe, Father, you use that blind man who had been healed to reach the lives of others. Lord, apart from you, we are blind, spiritually blind, but when you touch us, you give us sight, and you allow us then to be used by you to connect others with Jesus. Lord, work in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.